0: Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to
1: 5.
2: COVID-19, 2021. Guys, I need to know more. It's twenty twenty one. this is not exactly the start of our second year, but I mean, it's looking like this is going to be another year of COVID-19. So you know what that means? Let's talk to Dr. Ara and figure out what the heck's going yes. on.
0: Yes, for the second time. This is our first reoccurring guest, and um, I couldn't think of anybody better to get because uh, we needed to talk to him again because we needed some more answers about the second lockdown and everything.
2: He so is we... the man with the information anyway. He's the man with the plan. He's the one who comes up for all the plans around here for Gray Bruce, I believe. He confirms them.
0: This man, at, he's at the forefront of, you know, fighting COVID-19 here in Gray Bruce. Him and his team have been... They've been Working so hard, so I'm really curious to get some answers from them about some things I'm curious about, and because uh, uh, it's not every day you get to talk to somebody who's like in the thick of it, who's actually de- dealing with all this, and um, we can check them for the, the the straight up facts.
2: Yeah, especially it is lockdown number two here in Ontario, so we're hoping that this is going to be the last one. Knock on wood here, and hopefully, Dr. Ara can help us figure out what's going on.
0: So uh, then let's get right into it, Dr. Ara, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to What's Your 9 to 5? And on the show today, we have Dr. Ara on again. It is our first guest to come on for the second time. So um, thanks for coming on, Dr. Ara. How you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, Chris, Brooke. Thank you for having me.
0: No, uh, anytime. So uh, last time we talked to you back in October, um, we, we asked you the question if there was a chance we, uh, we were going to go into a second lockdown and you told us that was very, uh, very, very unlikely. But we flash forward here to January 2021 and uh, we are in a second lockdown and have been for a couple weeks. So, um, so what happened? Why are we uh, in a second lockdown?
1: Yeah, it is unfortunately that we needed a lockdown in Ontario to control the, the pandemic. I, um, uh, you know, flashback to when we started and we didn't know if it's going to be controllable or not in uh, March and April. So we implemented all the measures in place and lockdown is the, the extreme one of them. Uh, but, you know, in, in May, after the first wave and over the summer during the reopening, we had clear data and evidence um, that the pandemic is quite manageable by implementing five measures. Uh, These five five measures uh, have been uh, the cornerstone for the success in Gray Bruce and the community continue to uh, continue until now to to have the appropriate level of concern engagement. Uh, The CDC Atlanta Center of Disease Control Uh, said if people wear their masks correctly in in, uh, public places, spaces, indoors, uh, wash their hand frequently, uh, wash their distance, avoid crowds, and uh, do things outdoors whenever possible. These five things would control the the pandemic. And they have, obviously, in Ontario, uh, over the past uh, couple of months, the second wave has, has uh, shown that uh, the the concern and engagement from different parts of the province are not as high as uh, they could be uh, to control it without going up in, in measures. And uh, as I mentioned in the first interview, there is a principle that we use in public health, the principle of least intrusive. We always go with the least intrusive. Education is better than warning, better than um, um, than than uh, uh, orders or lockdown, uh, so we try the least intrusive first, and if it doesn't work, we always go up. In Grey Bruce obviously, it's communication. The first measure has been sufficient to control it. In the rest of the province, or in some part of the province, uh, it required going up the chain of of measures to a lockdown and stay home order. If you look at it all in all. Um, you know, it it is unfortunate that we needed a lockdown. However, that's what we need at this point, and that's a recommendation from public health in uh, in Ontario to the uh, to the uh, decision makers. And uh, it is a lockdown at this point.
2: So yeah, so I know that we're in the lockdown currently, but today was just the first day that I had to go back to school. Now, why the heck do we have to do that?
1: well going back to school you might intuitively think it's the opposite of lockdown but they actually go hand in hand together um yeah. in the lockdown we only uh, the, the only goal or the main goal is to reduce the risk of transmission to allow people to go back to safe uh, activities uh, the the exception for lockdown are the essential activities or the essential services you know if somebody needs to go to the hospital that's essential to pharmacy to buy food Uh, for uh students in school going to school would provide the educational environment and the social environment and that's a very essential uh, uh, type of activity for for uh, our children and the students and and everybody who would benefit from it so The lockdown will provide the means to allow for opening certain activities. And and you can look at the activities in schools. They are quite controlled. Uh, There is screening before going to school by the parents or by the uh, student themselves if they are of age. And uh, in the school, there is screening throughout the day uh, for symptoms and other signs. Uh, There is physical distancing, hand washing, uh, there, there are measures in place that would ensure the safety uh, of the kids. So if I can take you on a little detour and come back to the same point, why lockdown and school at the same time? In the first term for the past four months, there was clear data in Grey Bruce that schools are safer than homes. There are controlled environments. They're safe. So if we put those two things together, if we prevent uh, or, or if we, through the lockdown, reduce the risk of transmission in the community through other activities, that, whether recreational or whatever uh, people want to do out there, to allow acceptable level of risk through schools, which is a controlled, safe environment, uh, you can see how the two things go hand in hand. We're locking down activities to allow the essential activities. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I like that. I like that analogy.
0: So if everyone cooperates, when do you think we'll be able to go back, you know, to the way things were?
1: So that's a a question that could be answered by um, our provincial colleagues,
0: uh,
1: the chief medical officer of health and the advisory table and input from medical officer of health. And it's very difficult for me not being at that table to uh, see all the variables to answer it. Uh, I I heard the chief medical officer of health mentioning the number 1,000 per day is an appropriate level, and I trust there is a you know analysis, appropriate analysis behind that number. So that's what I would go with uh, based on the numbers. Um, it's worth mentioning, Chris. You know, if if the cases went down right now to zero today, theoretically, we're still not out of the woods yet because there are lagging indicators. This is a technical term to reflect the epidemiology that will take place four to six weeks after diagnosis of a case. So if we have a case today that was diagnosed today, that means they were infected two weeks ago, then they're going to get sick. And some of them will recover. Most of them will recover, but some of them might get sick enough to go to a hospital. And some of these uh, people who went to the hospital might require an ICU admission, and some of them, unfortunately, may die. So these indicators admission to the hospital, admission to the ICU, death are called lagging indicators. It takes four to six weeks for them to surface. So when we saw 3,000 cases per day over the past two weeks, uh, those will generate proportion of them will end up in those categories, the lagging indicators categories. Unfortunately, some of them will be death. So that increase in the level of admission to the hospital and the ICU is a challenge that our hospital system capacity in the province will be facing over the coming four six weeks. And that's where we cannot really risk uh, sending more communication and uh, education uh, provincially. If we're seeing that the public is not engaged, and the stats I I saw show that thirty percent of the public in in Ontario was not following the lockdown orders, and that's where you would find the second one, uh, the, the stay-at-home order coming in to ensure those numbers will go down. To ensure in three four weeks we're not gonna be having additional challenges. We're already having it for six weeks, four to six weeks from now. But if we continue with that trajectory with cases, you can see how it's gonna be added to a cumulative um, a challenge going forward. Back to your question, uh, how long this would last, or you know, it, it is needed at this point, the threshold is around 1,000 per, uh, per day, according to the chief MOH. But obviously, the better we do the 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 less challenge of the hospital system uh, down the road it would be
0: mm-hmm. yeah i like I like that I didn't know I didn't know that like even if we got zero cases, we still would it's still not even we're still not out of the woods. That's really interesting to
1: hear
2: that is smart though I like, just people wouldn't probably think of that I know I wouldn't that would' have been my first thought
1: mm-hmm. You see, if, if I didn't uh, go to a specialty in medicine called public health preventative medicine of five years, uh, part of that training is uh, emergency management, pandemic emergency management. So these things are specialty level expertise, uh, similar to a specialty in, in brain surgery or eye surgery, you know, uh, regular uh, or, sorry, uh, none specialists in that field might not find it intuitive including physicians and uh, epidemiologists unless they're specialized in, in that area uh, it, th- those uh, uh, observations and and uh, those uh, steps in management might not be uh, clear so my point is th- don't be hard on yourself if you didn't see it or you find it interesting at this point okay <laughs>
2: So, Dr. A, with COVID-19 right now, can you get it twice?
1: So, theoretically, you can. Um, the number of reports, reported cases of reinfection within a period of time uh, during this pandemic has been 17 cases globally. So, it's extremely rare. Uh, the immunity from the infection should be last for a period of time. At this point, we don't know. The science doesn't know how long this period. Uh, best educated uh, estimate is between one year to two years. Um, the The corona, uh, virus uh, family, in general, has this uh, window of time of immunity where the body will develop uh, uh, antibodies. That they will circulate for a period of time, then wane down, then disappear, then the person will be exposed or uh, potentially uh, predisposed to infection again. Anybody who got the disease in the past uh, seven months uh, should have enough immunity that they would not be concerned about reinfection at this point.
2: Also quickly going off of that question about getting it twice, if you get it once, do we know, do we have any estimate of some potential long-term side effects?
1: So there are reports of um, uh, lagging symptoms uh, weeks and months of uh, uh, fatigue uh, being tired headache other symptoms um, it, The the sciences will take its time to actually see when these things will resolve or they're going to linger further there is no way to predict if they're going to be six years or five years unless you do a clinical style, a study that lasts five six years uh, so at, at this point there are symptoms that can last longer uh, there are um, uh, there are signs uh, in, in uh, people who got the disease to have enlargement in the heart muscle and inflammatory response that subsides down the road. But we don't know if this is, you know, after 20 years, going to reflect into something else, uh, some other uh, manifestation down the road. So, you know, if you put the two questions together, would the person be reinfected? it's highly unlikely, very highly unlikely within a short period of time of a year. Um, However, uh, the immunity is not gonna last uh, uh, for for years. Uh, And uh, the the symptoms or potential long-term effect of the disease are not clear at this point, but there is some indication that there are at least weeks and months for some people who get the disease, not for everybody, but for a proportion of them.
0: Okay. So so we heard about this new COVID strain that started up in the UK and I heard a couple um, instances like where it came back to Canada. So like, I I don't know much about it. So like, what was this new strain of uh, COVID in the UK? And like, how much different was it? Was it is it a even a worse virus? Like, can you tell us some info about that?
1: Certainly. So the UK variant is, um, um, according to the reports that uh, we received, has higher ability to infect people, higher infectiveness, infectiousness, infectivity. Uh, those are the two terms that could be used: infectivity and infectiousness. Um, however, it does not seem to cause more severe disease. And uh, an important point: they do not. Um, this this virus or this variant does not change. Uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine against the virus. So th- that's in general. And and this is not unexpected. This is actually very expected with RNA viruses. Uh, the coronavirus uh, family is RNA virus. And, and forgive me getting technical. Uh, viruses could be RNA, genetic material, or DNA. And as you know, DNA has two strands. So one protects the other. If there is mutation, if there is some... Uh, a change in one strain uh, the other uh, uh, the other one the other string two strings together will will protect each other so the the potential for mutation is very low in dna viruses similar to humans we don't develop very quickly rapidly over two years it takes years and years and thousands of years and sometimes millions to change uh, uh, the the genetic uh, or the um, characteristics of of the organism. So in viruses, the RNA has one string of of genetic material. So it's very easy to break and mutate. And mutations happen. Some of them might not change anything in the infectivity of the virus or the severity. Some of them would. And uh, in general, the viruses, the RNA viruses, when they mutate, they mutate to less severe viruses. In, in general, that's uh, the, the way it goes. And the reason for it is um, natural selection. If there are two mutations of the virus, one of them severe is, you know, um, might kill the host. In this case, the human uh, in short period of time, the other one is not severe. The human will survive. You can you can see how the first virus is not going to be successful in replicating itself because its host is not there anymore and it it will expire. Uh, the second one, the person will be not symptomatic much, shedding the virus a lot, exposing other people and infecting them, and the virus will succeed in replicating in large numbers. So if there are two mutations, one of them severe and the other one less severe, you can see the natural selection will, will move it to a less severe form. And that's why viruses, novel viruses usually uh, mutate to less severe disease um, going forward. Okay, okay. Oh, wait, That's really
2: a... quick. My biology teacher would be so proud of me that I understood that because you're talking about DNA, RNA, natural selection. We literally just did all that stuff. So I'm glad I got your analogies there.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know, science really works. And uh, I studied the same things when I was in uh, you know high school or whenever I studied it and it still stands Two plus two equals four. It's going to be four today. It's going to be four, you know, in hundred years from now. So uh, yeah, it's it's better to beat the rush and learn them today.
2: Mm-hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about the vaccine in general? Because I only really know generalized about it.
1: So vaccines are in general designed to be given to healthy people, and that makes the threshold to accept side effects, adverse effects, very, very high. You know, in contrast to any medication, if somebody has cancer or any disease and you want to give them medication, they can accept level of risk with that medication because it's a severe situation and you need to treat them. With vaccines, we're giving them to healthy people. So the threshold is very high. And that's why vaccines across the board are very, very safe products. When you when you see allergic reaction that might cause uh, you know anaphylaxis severe reaction it's one in a hundred thousand or one in a million that's the level that usually uh, vaccine operate on and that's in general for for the vaccines that are approved for covid pfizer vaccine moderna and the others on the horizon coming um, the same threshold is being used in in uh, canada nasi is the committee that would uh, Approved Vaccine National Advisory Committee for Immunization, similar to FDA in the United States. And our colleagues there, I I don't work there, but I have colleagues uh, who work there. uh, And I, during my training, was exposed to the process, the rigorous process of approving a vaccine. Uh, Safety is paramount. There is no vaccine that will be approved if it's not safe. So that's the first characteristic for this vaccine or these types of vaccines they are very safe. Um, according to the, clinic, the clinical studies trials uh, that are done by the pharmaceutical company that produce these two vaccines, the efficacy around 95%, which is an excellent efficacy. That is to say, uh, for um, that is to say, for every uh, 100 people vaccinated, 95 will get the immunity. So those are the two main characteristics to the vaccine: it's safe, it's effective. And uh, I would recommend it to anybody who can get it. Uh, Obviously, older adults, people with heart-lung disease, uh, they will benefit of it because it's going to protect their health and prevent severe disease uh, affecting them. Uh, However, I recommend it for the, the entire public to protect other people. It's worth mentioning at this point in time, we don't have data to say it's prevent transmission, but we don't have that data because only the clinical trials just finished. And I have no doubt in my mind we're going to see data coming from the application of the vaccine to say, to show it prevent transmission. So from this point of view, it is highly recommended to the public in general to protect the least, um, the most vulnerable of us, the people who would suffer if they get the disease.
0: So, yeah, I know a lot of people um, that like some people are kind of hesitant to kind of take the vaccine because they're like oh it's not safe and i know a lot of people said oh like there's no way they could have gotten a vaccine this fast and what what do you attribute that to like do you think it's just all the kind of the, the countries in the world and like just kind of really working together to get a vaccine out and that's why we got it so fast
1: so with vaccines, uh, vaccine production usually takes two to three years, sometimes more. The new technology would allow us to do the same process in shorter time, and that's not, you know, to uh, on the expense of safety in any way. Rather, uh, the the technology uh, would uh, would provide the final product of um, the the uh, uh, part of the virus that can generate Uh, the immunity historically you need to culture and reculture a a virus multiple times to weaken it and that's take a year or two now we can produce that part uh, by um, taking the genetic material from the virus that was mapped out in january within days from the identification of the virus and building on it to produce a protein the spike protein part of the surface of the virus and that part would be sufficient to produce the immunity so again, it's not on the expense of safety. There is another layer where uh, it can explain to our audience uh, the speed of the process. Pharmaceutical companies like uh, Pfizer uh, company or the company that produced Pfizer start producing the, vir- the vaccine in March and April of 2020 before they knew it is safe. So they took risk, but it's not safety risk, they took financial risk to produce millions of doses of it and store them in the way that this is going to be in the hope that's going to be an effective vaccine. So if the vaccine was not proven to be effective, that will be a loss for their investment, financial risk again. Uh, And if it was positive or effective like it was proven to be, uh, we just saved ourselves um, nine months of production time that allows us to use the vaccine right away. So you put these two things together, the new technology and the financial risk to invest, uh, you know, millions and, and billions of dollars into making a vaccine, producing it before it is proven to be effective. These two really shorten the period to the nine months that we've seen.
0: Okay. That's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because technology just keeps advancing year after year after year. So of course, every pandemic, hopefully if we have another one, after, if we don't have, hopefully you don't have another one after this, <laughs> hopefully you don't have another one after this, but if it did happen, we'd probably get the vaccines out probably a lot faster, but um, I just got one more for you. So last time we talked, you said you guys were working crazy hours, seven days a week. So how busy have you guys been recently?
1: Recently, uh, as busy as we were in the first wave, um, over the summer, there was a couple months where, you know, you go back to close to normal, but still working many hours. Um, right now, um, the whole team, myself, you know, it's emergency. You can't really uh, turn your phone off. You can't turn your mind off sometimes. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, you know, Christmas, New Year's, there was a team here working every day of the seven Uh, day week and and uh, we continue like i'm very proud to be part of this team i've never been proud being of a part of a team more than this team and i know we're burning the candle at both ends to ensure uh, the response is is uh, there and the safety is guaranteed But at the same time i see the same sacrifice from everybody in in gray bruce everybody around the table healthcare workers uh, hospitals um, you know, uh, municipalities, uh, po- political leaders, the public themselves, every, everybody around the table is doing their part. Uh, yourself right now, this interview, I have no doubt, it will save lives. When people get the information they need to make the decision at, at hand, they will protect themselves, their families, and, and their community. So the, the heavy lifting has been done by the public. Again, you know, back to your question, yes, we're putting a lot of hours but everybody out there has been doing their part to ensure the safety of themselves, their family and the community.
2: That's awesome though. Like, what am I thinking? I thought they're scattered. <laughs> so do- Ian, uh, Dr. Ara, thank you so much for doing this interview. We've taken so much of your time, really appreciate it that you're willing to do this with us and inform people. I really, I'm really glad we get to do this because like I never, I obviously don't pay much attention to the news and pay attention to stuff. And I like getting it straight from the source and knowing that we're not getting slightly exaggerated data or anything.
1: My pleasure, glad to be with you.
2: So if there's anything else you want to add, now's your time. Any last things you want to say to everybody?
1: Yeah, certainly. The three W's that uh, kept us safe, washing hands frequently, watching our distance, and uh, wearing a mask correctly, those are the things that kept us safe. And they are very necessary uh, going forward to keep us safe until the vaccine in arms. And and, uh, today we're vaccinating um, uh, long-term care residents. We received the shipment next week. We're going to be completing that sector. All long-term care residents will be vaccinated and and the immunity will follow over a couple of weeks. It is important for every one of our audience to invest a bit more energy. The solution is around the the corner of, uh, uh, around the corner. You know, the the vaccine is going to be the last nail of the, uh, the last nail in the pandemic. Uh, Sorry, let me say this again. You can cut it out if you wish. Uh, Everybody, uh, it's necessary for everybody to invest more effort in this the vaccine will be the last nail in the coffin of this pandemic in a few months. And, and it's important to stay the course until then.
0: Well, thank you so much again for coming on Dr. Aura. I really appreciate it. It's really nice to interview somebody who is right in the middle of it, who has all the facts and we can kind of bounce off some questions off of. So uh, thank you again for coming on and um, hope you, hope you guys and your team take care and uh, thank you for doing all the work you guys do. You're welcome. Guys, that was it. That was our uh, second interview with the doctor Ara, and um I'm so glad we got to talk to him. It's always nice because you just need to ask one question, and he gives you as much detail as you need about it, and he just goes off, which is which I love.
2: Which is yeah, good. As I want the information for sure, so I'm really hoping that he's going to, or that he did give us all the information that we needed.
0: Yeah, and. I know, and like I was surprised to hear about like it's almost safer for the kids to go back to school because that's even sometimes more of a controlled environment where they can kind of keep track of everybody better than everybody just going back home and who knows if they're following the rules, right? And who knows if their parents are making them stay at home. So that was really interesting to me.
2: It was. And we want to say a big thank you to Dr. R. He is a very busy man and we're so thankful that he's coming on not once but twice to do these interviews with us because we only want some top tier guests on this podcast and he's yes. definitely a top tier guest and very valuable that we had his time and his wisdom.
0: Yeah, man. I was, I'm so glad. He, he, he's so nice to us and he's so, you know, it's so nice. He's so willing to give his, up his time for us to ask him some questions and all that so uh, thank you to dr ara and thank you to him and his team for you know keeping up through all these hard times um thank you guys again for listening to the podcast i hope you got some education out of this bad boy and um we i'm sure you'll see us next week next wednesday of course you will so well uh, remember to stay hydrated and chase those dreams am i right brooklyn
2: oh yeah have a great day